Warning, Star Trek from the holodeck contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Walk it alone! Fire! Holodeck 3 program is reinstated. Open sesame! Commander Klingon vessel. We are energizing transport of him. Now. Everyone to Star Trek from the holodeck. I am Michael Flores, your host and captain, and my ensign, <laughs> who's on cleanup duty. I may be on cleanup duty, but can I at least say that I was right? You were right, David. You <laughs> called a couple things here, and I did scold you about one of them. I think I might have even mocked you because it was just a silly idea. Oh, it was so silly. I why would I me. ever, why would I ever expect the writers of Picard to create a scenario that would end up being a very silly situation? <laughs> you called it out, Dave. I called it. I called two things here okay. and they both happened. Get it out. <laughs> Go ahead. No, don't. We'll get to them in a exactly. second. Exactly. All right. So we're going to be talking. I want, I want our audience to kind of like sit in it. We, we, we got to <laughs> ease them in, Dave. All right, so this episode was titled Et in Arcadia Ego, Part 2, Episode 10 of the first inaugural season, or the inaugural season of Star Trek Picard. We made it to the end of a series most of us had never dreamed we'd ever get. It was a bumpy road with a lot of what-the-fuck moments, but the heart of the story ended on a high note. The closure we received from Picard and Data is something that will forever be remembered. It was Trek. It was emotional. And it was fantastic. There's no denying that. Plus, and if we've learned anything during the first season of Picard, it's that Nerissa might in fact be a god. She's quite ubiquitous. She randomly pops up with little to no explanation whatsoever. She has to have superpowers. I think she uh, just teleports. (laughs) That has to be it. Because she... Is everywhere. With the opening five minutes of the episode, she's suddenly in the Borg cube. Like, how the how the heck did you, did you get, get here? <laughs> how many times have we said that this season? Wait, what the fuck? Where did you come from? Exactly. She just pops into places, and you're like, wait, but how? Seven of Nine and Risa have themselves a showdown. I think it moved a little, Dave. During that little fight scene there. Oh, I'm sure that you really enjoyed it. Dude, that. I got it. No, for real. I got excited. I was like, holy <laughs> shit, seven to nine in Arisa. Someone's shirt's going to come off. <laughs> please, please come off. That, that was a, dude, some hot ladies fighting. That's awesome. And Starfleet finally arrives with Captain Riker at the helm. <laughs> yes. That yeah. scene brought a flood of nostalgia just that's tears what, yeah that's what it was there for tears to my eyes dave i was like you son of a bitch <laughs> <laughs> look at you in the red 
<laughs> little four pips. Is that what it is? The pips, right? Yeah, you know the pips. Goes? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was great. Um, but then I became aggravated <laughs> that we finally got our fleet, our Starfleet, right? Yes. Ships all in one place. And it was a copy and paste fleet. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you for I, I, I was hoping that my eyes were not deceiving me David, when I saw that. I thought I was being nitpicky. I went on Twitter and there's already memes making fun of it. Yes. Seriously, Dave, I know I know VFX. I've worked with visual effects for a long time. And this is literally what we what we got in a high budget TV show was a very simple cloning effect. <laughs> exactly. This is literally a cloning effect. No effort, no budget. Amateur I could go in my studio in the back room over there yes. and probably put together a scene just like it. If you have the assets, if you have one vessel, I can clone you an entire scene in space with all the lens flare you want <laughs> in under 10 minutes. I'll have it rendered out in about seven hours. Who having approved of that scene? <laughs> I know. That's why I was like, going, it, Dave, it looked like a cloning mess. That one ship looked unique. I'm like, oh, my God, this is embarrassing. And after someone had too much fun with Adobe a clone stamp, a clone stamp. Yeah. I mean, we just we had moments throughout this season where the VX, the visual effects were awesome. Yes. The board cube moment without a doubt was gorgeous. What the hell happened in your finale? And then all of a sudden you go from that. To hey, copy and paste, copy and paste, copy and paste, copy and paste. <laughs> Dude, I was laughing so hard. I, I was aggravated, but then the, the lunacy of it just took over, and I was no longer aggravated because I was laughing. I was like, "This is for real. This oh, is actually happening right now." And and it, and it ended on a ridiculous note too, because I'm sorry. You mean to tell me that you have all these ships show up, and they just basically. Float away from each other. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that, Dave. I mean, even Discovery in season one and season two had some space opera epics. Epics. Yeah. And you get this cloning and pace job, and it leads to absolutely Control v. nothing. Control V on your avid keyboard. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And we'll get into all of these yes. things and more. But first, Dave, give me your initial thoughts on the episode without getting too deep. Okay, without getting too deep, I was very disappointed. Oh, I was very disappointed, but I was also not surprised because when you see how where the writing was going, and I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, pacing and stuff like this but with the lazy writing how lazy it was it was so predictable and after this whole after seeing this entire season i don't want to read anything by michael shabon i and i was at the very beginning of this season i said on record I, i'm going to read some of michael shabon's work now because i want to see some really great writing because everyone's Everyone's talked up his talent up to this point. After this, no, thank you. No, I am disappointed and sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there it is. Dave, you have never been so right 
about anything we've reviewed. And that's not an insult. I'm saying that you have wild ideas. Yeah. I think people that listen to our show know that you have wild ideas. I have wild ideas. Your <sighs> wild ideas, many of them. It comes from a mad area. Actually. An insane area. It came true. Some of mm-hmm. your ideas. Which, you know. You have, a lot. you have mad crazy ideas and then Shaban has mad crazy ideas. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, we, and see, that's why I said is like, it's, it was so predictable. Like, like, you know, I, if you write as I think, sorry, pal, you're done. You're done, son. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's get into this officially here. The episode was directed yet again by Kiva Goldsman and written by Michael Shaban. The synapsis Picard and his team are pitted against the Romulans and the synthetics in a final confrontation. All right, so let's start with the absolute best part of the episode. Okay. The Picard and Data reunion. The ending, yeah. The moments between our OG TNG crew have been some of the highlights of this season, some of the best moments all season. And that continues with this episode. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of the moments in our classic Trek films. It's something we never really saw with our TNG crew, watching them grow old together on screen. It's something that we just, the time didn't match up with our classic crew. We saw them in the original series. And then lots of time went by between the movies and we watched them grow old. And there was this, this camaraderie that was built through age and time and life and experiences and tragedy and drama. And that's something that we never quite got with the TNG because their timeline ran chronologically. And I'm talking about in real time, our time Mm -hmm. ran for about 13, 14 years. Yeah. So we never got to see them grow old and build those, those, lasting bonds like the Kirk and Spock, you know, Kirk and bond and bones. And this was our moment. And this was the moment. This is the moment that I never thought we would ever see. And to be able to see our TNG crew grow old together, or at least partially got to see that it, it, it was, it was great to see data alive in the simulation and able to interact with Picard was beautiful. It's probably the closest we will ever get to a Kirk and Spock relationship. It felt like I was watching one of those classic moments between Kirk and Spock. And at the very last moment, the writers ended up securing data's legacy. They did not. I can say that so far, who knows what they're going to do with Soji in season two. I feel like them sidelining data, that character was a smart move, especially with some of the, let's just say how it is. Some of the poor decisions they've made with Star Trek. I think a safe decision was to in fact put him away so that they don't run the risk of damaging data's legacy because the idea that he wanted to die was on par with who he was as a person and as an individual. It goes into the one storyline of Data's that we as fans, got it. We as fans have actually grown with. It's his journey to become a human, and like to get to that finale where he's like going, "I want to experience this because this is what humans do." It's it's so poetic, and 
this is how Data's journey should have ended. And well, I, yeah, because like the way it's it's difficult it's difficult for me to put into words, but like it's a very philosophical discussion about J- Data's journey. What does it take to be human? This AI that has no idea how to deal with emotions, how to deal with... And yet he kind of does and, and, and in his own end, way. Yeah. At the end, we see it. We see it come full circle. And this was more... A lot of people that I've talked about after I watched the talk show... To? Or talked to yeah. about the, the finale, they, they, they paralleled this type of scene to say... Last Jedi with Luke Skywalker. Right? Why do you always bring up Star Wars on this show? <laughs> Come on. Okay. All right. But this is the last time. Maybe. <laughs> but like when you run those parallels, at least with data, it made sense for his journey. And when you get to that point where it's like data wanted to experience what it truly meant to be human, it suddenly clicked in me and said, yeah, that's, that's actually a good way of ending data's data storyline well yeah his entire i want to say story arc since we were first introduced was to be human to be what human. is it like to be human the evolution of being human the desire to be human to be immortal would be would go against being human right would go against the very his very being the thing that he wants to be and the fact that he said he needed to die immortality is not a human trait mm-hmm there's a poetic nuance that I could definitely appreciate. And I do commend the writers for achieving that at the last minute. And it brings lasting closure to one of the greatest Trek characters of all time. Yeah. That line, a butterfly that lives forever is not really a butterfly <laughs> at all. Not a butterfly at all. It's powerful stuff. And I cannot be happier with how they wrapped up data's story and opened up a new chapter somewhat for Picard. It was a beautiful way to send this character off. But I sit here, Dave, and I ask why. We had closure back in 2002 with Star Trek Nemesis. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty good closure. It was one of the highlights of Nemesis. It was a, that was a movie that wasn't as bad as people remember it to be. Or isn't as bad as people remember it to be. But the highlights was the sacrifice and the hope that he, his memories would live on through B4. I mean, that, it was done. We didn't yeah. really need this. Essentially, when you take a look at it, that's what I was going to bring up to you. Was there any real difference between this and the way Nemesis ended? The only reason why this, for me, felt more, the difference between the ending of Nemesis and saying that was Data's ending and this is at this felt much more palatable because we got to actually hear data explain it to us as the audience. Yeah. In nemesis, it was a rush. You know, like data was instantaneously making that split decision right there. No, I'm sacrificing myself to save Picard. End of story. No explanation here. At least data is allowed to put his thoughts into his actions. Yeah, and I and I agree with you. I, I see your point, and I loved it. I I'm loved ju- it, but I'm just saying that we didn't really need this. Mm-hmm. That's that, and, that, and I think that's what my problem is with Picard as a whole is that the best moments are moments of nostalgia and not needed. 
not necessarily needed unless you're not confident in your story. So you bring in all these other moments. It's not, it's not a bad thing, but if we had these moments of nostalgia and we had an amazing story that was also original, I would be like, wow, this is amazing. But we're, they're literally using ideas that have been established and fleshed out. Mm-hmm. The PTSD of Picard, the trauma he has gone through, Data's death. These are things we've already experienced. Exactly. And so I mean, what did the writers bring new to the table other than rehash and kind of reframe things that we already knew? So mm-hmm. ultimately, that's that's my my thoughts on the closure of Data. It was beautiful. I loved it. But you just beg the question. It begs the question. Why? What was the point? Yeah. Uh, the Romulan prophecy told by Narek was interesting, despite it being a very tired political thought. <laughs> It's a true statement. You know, history has the tendency of repeating itself. That's why we must remember the past. Uh, It's a bit of a trope, low-hanging fruit, if you will. Uh, The thought has been used in many pieces of television, books, and other forms of pop culture, but it does work. Uh, But I did like, after he repeated the prophecy, and they asked if he really believed this to be a prophecy, he said, no, history. That tells us that he, as a character, he understood what he had seen when he touched the admonition. Uh, it was enough to understand the statement that was being made while also showing the viewer that Narek isn't just some religious zealot. Yes. We understood that history was repeating itself, but then he said it, and my eyes kind of rolled so far back that <laughs> Gave you a I migraine. think my dog thought I was having a, a seizure. A seizure. <laughs> I mean, Shaban is just not a good writer. He's not. I mean, because the point can, you didn't need to spell it out when he said no history. I was like, fuck. Like, that was good. That's good. The way he recites the prophecy and then like Rafi is looking at him with these eyes of like, do you really believe this is a prophecy? And he just says, no history. We get it. We all get it. History repeats itself. But then he says that, and I'm just like, oh, son of a bitch. And it's like, it goes down to the execution. It's too on the nose. But mm-hmm. that's what this show is has become, a show that's just too on the nose on some points and then not enough in others. Now, on to the aspects of the episode that just didn't work. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and this has become a part of our broadcast that I just loathe. I, I like to be positive. I started this podcast to celebrate Star Trek. That's why we started doing this. Yeah. And these last few discussions are just. It wears us down. It's wearing me out. Like, I'm just, I'm like, I want to be positive. I want to love it. But ultimately, Dave, we just got to say it. Ultimately, the season was a complete disaster. It wasn't just a few issues here and there or a few episodes. Now that we've seen the entire thing, it's a complete and utter disaster. Seven of Nine's purpose in this series is irrelevant. I love seeing her again, but all they managed to do is create questions and destroy the resolve and the closure that we had on Voyager. That's all they did. They took that show and fucking just broke it over Shaban's knee. Yep. There were plenty of sacrificed it. Yeah. Collateral damage. Collateral damage. There were plenty of opportunities to learn more about her as well. I mean, the season's. The season already, as how it stands, was already overstuffed with ideas that fizzled and didn't go anywhere. But all we needed 
was possibly a few seconds of dialogue to understand the context behind Seven's choices. And we didn't get it. We didn't get it. Sure, the Fenris Rangers and the idea that she's taking the law into her own hands explains what she's doing right now. But with a character like this, you have to explain how she got to that point. She talks of not having a home. Fine. What happened to your Voyager family? Your home. Your home. These are big things. These aren't little things. This isn't me being a Star Trek nitpicker. It's answering. This isn't me having a closed mind, David. These are big questions. That's like deciding to put Cisco in Picard and never explaining how he left the wormhole and no longer is a prophet. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing, David. It's the same thing. And it's, it's, it's not being nitpicky, but as a writer, the one of the biggest questions you should always have in the back of your head, why? I don't think why they is watched, this happening? I don't think they watched Voyager. I don't think these writers watched Voyager, Dave. You don't even have to. Wa- uh, here's the thing. You don't even have to watch Voyager. You don't have to watch anything what? in the past. Hear me out. Just on a writing principle, right? Writing principle. Mm-hmm. Because people might misconstrue what we're saying as, oh, we're nitpicking because we're Star Trek fans. Right. Fair. Yeah. Okay. No. On a writing principle, every story should answer a couple key questions. One of those questions that every writer under the sun knows, why? Why yeah. does your characters do this? Okay, Dave. But they did. But that's the problem. Because they did. You got to take yourself out of the Star Trek remove the star trek lens for a second okay yeah because they did introduce seven for this show exclusively for picard fans exclusively and no one that's ever watched star trek who is she former borg why is she so why is she on a vendetta oh because uh so-and-so group killed her son and now she's angry and she doesn't believe in starfleet oh okay we know who she is then so as a standalone tv series that wants to forget the past of Star Trek for some reason, that works just fine. But the thing is, is that this isn't a character that's exclusive to your show. You share this character with a very rich mythos of Star Trek canon. And you do the fans a disservice when you choose to ignore key moments to her development as a character. And I understand, Dave, the not wanting to confuse new viewers. I can get behind that. Remember the reason why Shaban didn't want to talk about the Dominion? Yeah. Okay. I understand that. Then don't use characters and scenarios with a past. Mm-hmm. Because it comes off as a lazy attempt to sell a product. Exactly. You're not confident in your own characters. You're not confident with your own fresh new scenarios. But let me borrow. And that moment between Raffi and Seven at the end, what the fuck? What the hell? Is there another show going on at the same time that none of us are privy to? When did they become an item? And that's the thing is kind of like, okay, if we were to take out Seven of Nine, right? Just put a blank character, a brand new character. It was what, honestly, they should have done. A, A brand new character. I'm glad you brought up the fact that basically... There's a difference between use, how do you use characters? There's, there's a nuance that you have to do as a writer. And like, just like what you said, if you're not confident in the character that you're doing and you just want to put 
a pre-exist a pre-existing character. They want to sell tickets, Dave. You're just selling tickets. They want to sell tickets, and it's lazy. It's it is a, absolutely lazy. That is the magic word for this entire series. The buzzword, the keyword, the word of the day: laziness. Because that moment, I'm gonna go right back to it. That moment between Raffi and Seven, it's just sh- it's just sheer laziness. Just sheer laziness. Why are you gonna shoehorn in some odd relationship, literally out of thin air, with no context whatsoever? No context. This show is littered with terrible decisions like that that just bring down the quality of the show. Things that they feel like they don't need to explain. Seven of nine is not seven in this series. Picard is not Picard in this series. Yep. The scene between Narisa and Narek was really good. But where was this all season? Mm-hmm. This when they were, t- when they were talking, characters. I loved it. You're dealing with two really good actors. And suddenly we realize they do care about each other. But the mission is more important than past sins. Yes. What's Narek's motivation? He's obviously on the outs with his sister, right? That's much as clear. Mm-hmm. This disdain, there's disdain, but we never once learned anything about him and th- the entire season. And then we get lines like, I'm the family disgrace, the Zot Vash washout. When did this happen, bro? When did this happen? We've never heard this. <laughs> Those are character building blocks that you should have introduced. And they're very easy. Narissa, you're a disappointment to our family. Get this mission right. Make sure you get the information from Soji. Boom. Problem solved. But they're lazy. They're They're making it up as they go. They don't fucking know how to write on this show. Yeah. And and, and the, the, the absolute writing crime behind that for me is so you mean to tell me you're going to go with the, uh, the, the, the idea that he is a washout from the Zot Vash when you'd have a character that in Elnor that we all been saying, hey, use him more. Use him more, please. You don't connect him to this because he's actually the, pretty much the polar opposite of Narek. Look what he, where did he come from? Well, they started building building up those parallels in this episode. Yeah, where was that? David, there's no character development in this show. One of the biggest problems in this series is lack of character development yes. or the odd uneven development because of scenes like this. Like this. I have never watched a TV show like this before, Dave. There are a lot of bad shows out there, but they get one thing right, at least within the writing. It seems like they can't nail the writing. <laughs> that That's the thing about, like, when I, after I watched it, watched this final, final episode and actually thought about the season as a whole, is I always hear people say, hey, there's really great points of this season, right? Mm-hmm. There's great moments. Right. There's great ideas. But everyone constantly says, but something's off. Okay, Dave. So all the great moments that brought about emotion, that stirred emotion within us, were all connected to moments of nostalgia. Yes. 
the writers could not make us care about their new situations, their new characters. They cheated, they were lazy, and they used Riker, they used Picard, they used Data. Mm -hmm. You remove them from the show, and there's no true emotions that this show evokes. Or uh, We have characters here that are great and interesting. We have Rios. His story is amazing. I like. Well, it's one of those things that we the were like ideas is, of his story. The idea of his story. Did you run with it? No. Raffi. As much as I've I've kind of scratched my head on the Raffi thing. When you start actually digging into her trauma and basically seeing that she's someone who regrets her past and wants to make amends for her David, past what trauma? mistakes. That's the thing. What trauma? What trauma? She was fired from Starfleet and forced to live in a trailer. She lost her kid. Okay. She lost her kid. Okay. We saw one moment. Yes. Nothing else. And you are right. These are great characters. The building blocks are there. And I don't know if it's because of their development or is it because they're good actors? Because they are good actors. That much is clear. So are we liking them because they're great actors? They're nice to watch. On screen, because Dave, there's no character development. Yeah, they're great ideas. They're great concepts. That's all they came up with was an idea. Okay, so the next thing, Dave, is God objects. That's this is what (laughs) I call elements that writers use to quickly fix a scenario because they were not thinking ahead. The 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 oh my god, this makes me angry. The device that fixed the entire ship. Just with your imagination. Really? What are we, the fucking Lost Boys? <laughs> is this a fucking Peter Pan show? This is Motherfuckers, the- explain your shit. Explain your shit. Star Trek has always been filled with fantastic science. Fantastical science. But it's science. And they typically explain things in a techno-babble kind of way. And it works. Mm-hmm. This was just... Use your imagination. Shut the fuck up. Use your faith. That goes right back to lazy writing. We need the ship. How are we going to get it back in the air? Well, what if there's a device that you can use your imagination to make it (laughs) fix your ship? I would throw a, a fucking stone at the first writer that gave me that idea, if I was if I was the showrunner of this show, and in the writing room they tried to pitch me that idea, yeah. I'd be like, "Whoa, wow!" <laughs> I'd be like, "Going here's your stone," <laughs> because it's essentially you're saying, "Let's wave pixie dust." Yeah, the power of belief, yay! Unicorns and and rainbows. David, I know you laughed at that part, right? Oh, I did, dude. I. I couldn't believe what I was watching. I wasn't even mad at first. I was laughing because oh, I, I was like, no, I was hell. like, no, this isn't going to really happen. This isn't going to happen. Right. <laughs> and it fucking happened. And it happened. And it goes to like, what I was like saying is like, that's why when it's this predictable, that's just bad writing. It It comes down to it. It's Dude, terrible. David, everything writing. is bad writing. The show yeah. is bad. I don't, I, it's not a good show. And it makes me so sad. The visual effects. One of the standout things 
They about, fucked it up. It's always been standout in Trek in years past. Is it's the extraordinary use of effects. In fact, we both know personally one of the top VFX producers that worked on TNG, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager. We went to film school with his son. Yes. And he also worked on some of Enterprise. And he did exceptional work with miniatures. Star Trek has always been fantastic. My point is that during a time when things were not as cheap as they can be now, you had an entire you had entire scenes with unique vessels. For example, Wolf 359, the Dominion War, the countless skirmishes within Voyager. And yet in a premium network, we were given the cheapest, <laughs> laziest effect of all time. Yes. Talk about lazy and uninspired designs. You couldn't be bothered to create a few unique ships. Jesus, dude. <laughs> and, and we just got off an episode where we were gushing about some of their visual effects of like watching the board cube reform and, you know, giving us those chills and the VFX were carrying the sea, the, the season in some episodes you get to the finale and I'm sorry, it's just not even the ship episode or ship part that boggled my mind. Some of the choices of set design. What the fuck? Yeah, dude. I mean, I'm gonna we sh- discussed it. We discussed in the pre-show the Riker scene. <laughs> oh my god! What the hell was that? It was the same set. It's the same from set Star as Trek Discovery. Discovery. Where Pike sat. It's so noticeable. The first thing I saw, I was like, "That's Pike's ship." That's Pike's ship. And like, I'm like going. Not only that, it's but the even, same ship. It's the same chair, dude. Even the inside when you you have shots of. Commodore O, right? On the Romulan Warbird. Yeah. Where the fuck is she? We didn't even see the Romulan Warbird. We, didn't we saw it. a medium shot of her from the from an angle. We heard Romulans talking, never saw them. Dude, the show is lazy, man. The show is so super lazy. A guy tweeted out, Hey, Star Trek, why does the fleet that was shot in 1997... <laughs> look infinitely more impressive and diverse than the one in 2020 is the answer laziness was it a creative decision if it was whose creative decision was it uh have they been fired and he puts together stills from a scene from 1997 and then he puts the scene from this past episode the ep dude the one from this episode looks muddy it's unclear it's just uh, an ocean of boredom. Well, you know, and what? then you see that the the ships from 1997. It's fucking gorgeous. Oh yeah. When you take a look at what they did in the visual effects here, you realize all they did to try to make everything look different was blurry it. That's all they did. They just blurried. Hey, let's take let's take that 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 Riker scene. Right. I'm, we're gonna make it look different. Let's make everything blurry. Everything behind him is blurry as shit, so we can't see anything in, in the ship. And yet we still knew it was the... Yeah, we was, still knew it was, it was, it was Discovery bridge. bridge. And then... No, it was the Enterprise Bridge. Or the Enterprise Bridge. And then with the Romulan Warbirds, if you take a good look at it, 
all they really did besides just copy and paste was let's smudge it a little bit. Yeah. Well, let's blur it a they little used, bit. They used light. It's called light blooms. Light blooms. Yeah. Just so that they have a different look. Dude. Yeah. I. Oh. What is this? A fan film? Dude, it's so It's a bad. fan film at this point. Dude, it's so bad. Overall, the entire episode and season was just a complete mess. All of this buildup, 10 episodes, and... You know, build, building do? this doom and gloom group known as the Zotvash, an entire culture built on fear and xenophobia, and they were talked down by a 92-year-old man's conversation with a child. <laughs> I have no problem with some good old-fashioned Starfleet diplomacy. I have no problem. Yeah. Trek isn't about war, but when your entire myth arc is built on an obsessive order of zealots... And it ends in the most anticlimactic kumbaya type of way possible. How is that even a thing? How? Who signed off on that? <laughs> and then, to make matters worse, they are allowed to leave. They murdered thousands. They started the, the murder of the Mars incident. Think about this. They started the synthetic ban not to mention they've murdered millions of people before this obviously leading up to this okay but let's just tackle the immediate that this show introduced okay they they desolated mars they murdered federation citizens they murdered their own citizens they created the very synthetic ban that caused riker's child to die no comeuppance peace out bro See you later. I don't understand. I was so confused, dude, when this happened. I say I don't understand, but I think I do. It goes back to the word of the day. Laziness. Well, we reached our 10 episode order. How are we going to end this? A man got one of our followers on Twitter tweets. Thomas Riker faced greater consequences when he took the NX Defiant into Cardassian space. Yes. No consequences, no justice, no common sense. This is only a slice of why the choices in this show make no logical sense. They let a mass murderer go Go, free. Go free. And then they have a meme here. Murdered 100 million Romulan civilians and 100,000 Federation civilians. Spy infiltrated federation for decades access to highest level of security details allowed to leave free and clear <laughs> someone tweets don't forget agnes she murdered maddox yeah and then this guy says i'm working on a graphic for her too let's let, let's basically forget the fact that she caused she she committed murder <laughs> yeah dude this show it's it's sad man i'm still not sure how i feel about picard's new body it has now been 12 hours since i watched the episode and by the way you did call this mm-hmm. you said the golem would be used for sean luke picard yep and i didn't believe you I was like, no. So our captain or admiral is now a synthetic life form. And I, I don't have a lot of thoughts about this because oh, I do. 
Okay, well, <laughs> I go do. for it. When they did this, I literally contemplated throwing my phone. Oh, I thought you said suicide. I was like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, Damon. I just, you know, you know, in my crazier days, I might have thought it, but this regard, I contemplated throwing my phone against a brick wall and, and imagining that was Michael Shaban's head. Oh my God. <laughs> That's very violent. Because let me get this straight. Picard, who's a character that is utterly built on the storyline of wanting to forget about the trauma of becoming a Borg, becoming a synth. Suddenly you put him into a synth body without his permission without his permission without his permission the entire season for the most part was also loosely about violation yeah and yet without his consent you without didn't consent. let him die you didn't let him go peacefully into that night you turned him into you turned Frankenstein's him into the, monster you turned him into basically Lacutus again i absolutely was uh, when I saw that, I'm like going, Michael Shaban, you fucking suck. <laughs> he does, man. Because he, he is you have good. no idea what this character has been through. And to do that to him, I don't know how it got past Patrick Stewart. So I'm looking at Patrick Stewart going, you know, sir, I love you. I love you, sir. But I'm about to slap your hand and go, bad boy. <laughs> yeah, it's um because what the fuck are you doing doing that to Captain Jean-Luc Picard? Why? Because you can't let him go. It, you know why they're doing it, right? Because they have to create they have to conduce Picard season, season 2. Well, <laughs> they could have dragged out this thing for a couple seasons him dying. But this could be the way they work on this crossover. If Picard is in a body that can now theoretically live forever, they can find a way to make a version of him appear in Star Trek Discovery. Yes, that is true. So I'm not saying that's what they're going to do, but I don't see the logic in making a decision like this unless unless there's a bigger plan. Now, I'm thinking like a good writer, though, when yeah. you make a decision like this, there should be a bigger plan. But we're also talking about Shaban, who obviously doesn't think before he writes, who, who obviously is, you know, sniffing his own farts now, at this point. We don't ever judge anything. And I want to make this clear if anyone has like still listening <laughs> who love this series. Um, I want to make it clear. We don't ever put our thoughts on on a, on ways things we don't judge shows let me rephrase this we never judge or refuse shows based on what we would do because there's a lot of things i would have done differently and i'm not putting those ideas out there i'm asking the questions as to why none of this makes sense there's <laughs> illogical decisions in terms of writing yeah not only did Okay, so Discovery made questionable decisions when it comes to canon, but at least you can forgive them because you're like, you know what? The series is good. It's written well. Everything's cohesive. Everything flows. I enjoy the show. 
But this show has nothing going for it. The only thing, no one. Shaiban is raping what <laughs> Berman and Pillar had put in place. Without giving them credit, he's taking everything that was good. He's taking characters from other creators and using them and their nostalgia to sell emotions on a show that's void of a soul. And that is why I said Michael Shaban did what Ryan Johnson did. This show is not good. It's not good. And almost. No, it's not. It's just not good. Not good. There, there's really nothing great about this show. The acting is good. Acting and the nostalgia is good. Yeah. And, you know, like for people out there that basically say, oh, but I, I really enjoyed these parts. Good. You enjoyed these parts. We enjoyed certain parts in Picard. But David, like what, what happened this season? Nothing happened though. Picard meets girl. Girl tells Picard her life's in jeopardy. Girl dies. <laughs> he realizes she has a sister. He finds the sister. Sister is taken to her homeland. Because she's being chased by murderous Romulans. Romulans then realize the girl can be trusted. Never mind a millennia of built-in ideology. Ideology. Bad guys go home. <laughs> oh, God. A 12-year-old wrote this. Yeah. It's a fan fiction. It's a fan film. Because Michael Shaban just wanted to do his own story, but said, I'm not comfortable doing my original story. I'm going to take characters and copy and paste them into my story. I, I can't imagine Jonathan Franks thinks this is good. I pray to God he doesn't. There's gotta be, he, there's gotta be a company man aspect where he's kind of towing the company line, but he's got dude. the guy, Michael or Jonathan Franks is a good director he understands quality writing. Well, There's got to be a part of him who's like, wow, this isn't good. <laughs> well, dude, I mean, his one line that he gave to Com Commodore O on the, on the bridge of his ship was so eye-rolly bad. It, it was like, it was up there with the... The the one scene where I know that head nod. <laughs> and I'm like going, it's <laughs> so bad. When he oh looks at God. her and says, I don't mind kicking your Telshiar ass. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. yeah. <laughs> Jonathan Franks, do you know what you're saying? Uh, who's directing this? <laughs> who's directing this? Yeah. Um, Okay, so Picard, now that he has a new body, his oh, connection to the Borg is severed now, right? You'd think. It is. So let's let's hope they don't try to bring that back in some way next season. But knowing Shaban and his team of writers, they're going to do something like that. Because the thing that kept them connected was the, what was it, uh, Borg, what is it, implants, implants that you can't fully get rid of? Yes. Right? Okay, well, he's in a new body. Same consciousness, new brain. So his Borg connection and his ability to hear the Borg and to understand them and feel their presence, it's gone. Maybe I'm just overthinking and, it now, but I feel like 
I, and dude, this was so this was something that got brought up that I hope our listeners out there, our hardcore Star Trek fans, might help me figure this out because someone brought this up. Okay, the Borg implants. We all know the nanobites or the nano nanobites. nanobites. The 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 uh, Borg. Uh, I think it is nano nanobots or whatever that's actually in all those Borg implants. They help the person heal no matter what, right? right. So wouldn't all the all the Borg implants that Jean Luc had? Wouldn't that help him with the disease that he had? Oh, there's a Voyager episode, I believe, in season four, where they use the nanites, the nanites, to heal. Yeah. So, so you mean to tell me that his nanites that you've been telling us in the series that is in his body and stuff like that can't fix this disease? And then I basically wanted to rethrow my phone again. <laughs> It's it's like it's it was written by a twelve year old. It was written by a twelve year old. Now the trades are ripping this up as well. Nearly, I'd say, a good ninety five percent of them. Uh, Star Trek Picard finale is both amazing and awful, <laughs> yet ultimately disappointing. Star Trek Picard is the dark reboot that boldly goes where nobody wanted it to. Wanted it to. <laughs> Dude, the list goes on. Everyone, I have never seen anyone. No one hated on Discovery like this. Yeah, yet it's still- some of the troll fans did, but the but the 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 outlets didn't. The trades didn't hate on Discovery, dude. They are hating on Picard. Oh yeah, I I, I want to actually know how far if it's going to affect its score in any way. But what score? What are you talking about? Like. Okay, I shouldn't say like score, but basically it's it's audience uh, how the audience is actually going to embrace Dave. this or not. David, this is not going to get better with time. Yeah, that's what I mean. Sorry, it's going to get worse with time. The damage is done. The damage is done. <laughs> I was holding out hope, and it's just not good, man. I I hate to be the the truth sayer. About because I called a lot of the bad stuff in the very beginning and you were laughing it off and I I was laughing it off too because I was like, he can't go this bad. Okay. Because remember the ideas I threw at you, even I was laughing at. Yeah. Even I was like going, that'd be so hilarious if like the crew of the Enterprise came back to save Picard and it'd be kind of like this moment where you saved us all those times, Picard. Now it's our turn. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Yeah, I tweeted out today because um, I needed to like put my thoughts out there after I was watched the watch the episode episode because I was so upset. I put I had my issues with the first season of Discovery, but nothing like this. Her card was just completely uninspiring and lazy. I had hoped we worked through problems like this with Kurtzman's Trek, but apparently we still have some growing pains to get through. Fingers crossed. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out, do you even do a season two of Picard? I think they need to slow their roll. They need to. Uh, maybe not with Picard season two, because Patrick Stewart, sadly, is getting older and older. That's the thing. He is. So he they can't wait too long, but they need to slow down. They need to figure out some things within those writing rooms, because I don't want the shows to suffer. I can't go through another. I don't want section 31 to suck. 
the only the only you get thing what I'm about, saying. Yeah. I don't want I don't want these new series to suck. So I want them to kind of slow down and figure out these other shows first. Because if season two is not better, dude, I'm done. I'm not gonna sit here. I'm gonna give season two four episodes. And if they're just as poorly written as this season, I'm not gonna finish talking about them because I don't want to be negative, man. Yes. Like I love Star Trek. Love Star Trek. And I do not want to do a show where I'm shitting on Star Trek. I can't do that. There's no is this is this fun, Dave? No. It this isn't fun. It is it really isn't because like would you when I rank this now, Picard is like at the bottom of the barrel. Oh, dude, it's it's the worst Star it's Trek. It's the worst series. Star Trek series ever. Ever. I mean, Enterprise had its problems, but it never was writing problems. There was issues with like just boring scenarios. Some of it wasn't interesting. Some of it was very silly and a little too naive at times. But they barreled through it and gave us one cohesive narrative. Right. But there wasn't there wasn't blundering writing issues. Mm -hmm. That's that's my point. So. All right. Well, let's um, let's wrap this show up, Dave. Okay. Why don't you give me your final thoughts and then your RMD score? RMD score. Should we give our score for the for this episode? Uh, give or... me one for this episode, and then give me in retrospect because I know it may not add up mathematically when you take into Probably. the account all the episodes. But uh, give me your score for this episode, and then give me your overall score. Well. My my final thoughts on this episode, unfortunately, what I was afraid was going to happen, happened. And that is really sad to me. It's it, it, Captain Picard is one of, I'll say it, I'm on the, I'm, I'm on his side when it comes to Picard or Kirk. I've always been Picard because he's the type of captain I want, type of human being that I want to emulate. And seeing him, his legacy, get reduced to this, to this, no one, no one treats him respectfully throughout the entire season. You violate his utter legacy that was set in TNG, and you put him, the last thing we see is him getting put into a Sith body without his, without his say. It's a violation to that character. This episode gets a 30. It's a score of a 30 because of all the writing errors, the writing choices. I'm going to throw everything at the wall at this one. It's a 30. It's a get fisted. It's a get fisted. Wow. And the season as a whole, because of how bad this two-parter, because I clump part one with part two for a season finale, it does worse damage than the part two ender of Discovery season one. Remember, me and you were like baffled of the last two the the last two episodes of Discovery season one. This one is worse. It's way worse, and because of that, this entire season gets a fifty five to me. It's bad. It deserves to be the worst Star Trek series I've ever watched. And when I look back retrospectively to all the other series in its history, Enterprise, I would sit through Enterprise, then sit through this. Because by the end of this season, I feel violated. 
Yeah. <laughs> ah, yeah, my butt hurts. My butt hurts. Yeah. Um, my score is going to be a little lopsided, I think, and may not make a lot of sense statistically, <laughs> but I'm going to give this episode a a 50%. There were things about this episode. I can't ignore the closure of data. It was beautiful. I, I loved, I loved it. I can't rate it any lower than that. I can't. It's a, it's, it's average. But the season as a whole is a 40%, which is get fisted. Yeah. I will probably never watch this season. This will probably the only, this will be the first season of Star Trek of all the Star Treks that I probably will never watch again. It's so aggravating to see the writers literally stumble. You can see them thinking in this episode. While you're watching this show, you can see the steam coming from their head. Like, (laughs) oh God, what do we do? And you know what? Forgive me, writers. Maybe it's not your fault. Maybe it's the leadership, which I don't want to say maybe it is the leadership. I don't blame Kurtzman necessarily. I blame Shaban. Yeah. I little little finger point. You should have known better Kurtzman, who you put in charge of your shows. Yeah. So there's a little bit of blame to go to Kurtzman. But he's also not writing the show. Shaban is writing the show. So when it comes down to it, Shaban is the one to blame. And fortunately, he is not the showrunner next year. Thank you, Lord. But there's so much that whoever comes in to do season two, they got one hell of an obstacle. uh, uh, They got a hill to climb. They got a hill to climb. I mean, I know you said. But David, they do have a hill to climb, but they'll probably come up with this cheap God object that will magically lift them above the hill. And then they don't have to worry about writing anything because it's and, easy. And that God object is Q. <laughs> so dumb. All right. Well, this does conclude our discussion and our Picard edition for the first season of Star Trek Picard. Yes, we are depressed. Not exactly how we wanted it to finish. No. Not at all. All right. Thank you, David. Thank you. Live long and prosper. I couldn't help but notice your pain. My pain? It runs deep. Share it with me. End simulation.